Today's podcast is sponsored by Slaughter and Sons Undertakers. Suitable whether you've been fried by dragon breath, nibbled by piranhas, immersed in acid, or pincushioned by goblin arrows. Special deals are available for mummification, Viking funerals, burial at sea, and other assorted death rituals. This week only, Slaughter and Sons also has a buy one, get one free offer in the event that you have an elderly or just slightly annoying relative who you'd like to, you know, just dispose of. Just quote the promotional code, Slaughter My Relatives, when making your booking. Give your loved ones the send-off they deserve at Slaughter and Sons. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 hello And welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I, as always, am Morris, a.k.a. Russ Or Russ, a.k.a. Morris And with me... As usual, is my co-host, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Did you see what I did differently there? You failed to give me some exciting adjectives to go with, or did you throw in a fourth hello? We've been adjectives. What? We've been adjectives. 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 Yes, adjectives. Adjectives. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Finit. I had four hellos. You did. Just to confuse and confound our listeners. Because that's what I like to do. Yes, that's, that's the key to clear communication. <laughs> confusing the listener. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they'll all be there wondering, am I on the right podcast now? Because the podcast I thought I was listening to has three hellos. And this one clearly has four. But there seem to be the two English guys, and they're talking a lot about some random dog that's turned up. Aww. And currently, listeners, you'll be pleased to hear that Django is enjoying a restful nap and overseeing the podcast on top of my foot. Why do they lie on top of your foot? I mean, he lies on top of my foot all the time as well. What, what is that? It can't be comfortable. I don't know. Is it's, it's just so like you can't go anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't go anywhere without waking them up. <laughs> oh, well, I feel honoured. Who's a good book? Yes, you, you are. I am. I am treasured. So how's your week been? Um, pretty exciting. We've done a session of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which has consisted of mild to moderate amounts of flailing. Did I'll anyone get killed by a lucky goblin? No, no one's got killed by a lucky goblin. Did it rain? Oh, of course it rained. We were playing <laughs> Warhammer, please be serious. But um, we, we even entered the library at no time were we mauled to death by paper cuts. Ooh. So I, I think we got off lightly. <laughs> Lucky, lucky, lucky you. Yeah, we were about to plunge into some sewers, but that turned out not to be such a good idea, so we didn't do that. You went to StabCon at the weekend, did you not? I did go to StabCon, Southampton's largest uh, board game convention, which also may possibly be the Southwest's uh, or in Southeast. Indeed, let's say the South Coast's largest board game convention, uh, where they asked us to run the role-playing game strand on Saturday. The board in the city... Um, our, our friends and allies uh, decided to run on the Friday and Sunday, also doing role-playing games, so that was good. But we ran something like 16 hours of, 16 GM hours of games mm. on, the, on the Saturday, so that was pretty good. Did you get new players, people trying it out for the first time? I don't know if we got anyone that was completely brand new, but we got a lot of people who were like, yes, we'll give this a whirl. Okay. Um, and certainly uh, we ran a little bit of Adventures League. Adventurers League, I did that. And uh, we had someone who was new to that and said, oh, actually, this seems like fun. It was a season seven one, so there were dinosaurs, mm. dinosaur races, dinosaur cage fights. Of course, a, a ziggurat full of traps and uh, zombies, which, quite frankly... What else would you put in a ziggurat? <laughs> quite frankly, well, exactly. Uh, has has an introduction to Adventurers League, I can think of no finer. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Would you like to hear about my week? No, not particularly. Oh. <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be so mean to you. It's a little, little harsh. <laughs> I, so, swear, I suppose I can pretend some interest. I spent the week yes. interviewing people. Oh, yes. Is this for the admin assistant at Ian World? Well, yes. Or well, publishing administrator. Sorry, publishing administrator. Yes, it's a slightly better title than admin assistant. Yes, yes. It, it, it's PA rather than AA. Well, I think it's, it's more than an admin assistant. It's yes. sort of helping run the company. Exactly. Um, a excellent way to learn all about the role-playing game industry from the inside. Mm. Uh, so, how many interviews have you done so far? I have done eight so far. Ooh. 
and I've got two more to do. Oh, wow. One goodness. of which I'm doing straight after this podcast. Like, as soon as you leave, pretty much, I'll be interviewing. Okay, listen, so there's a sudden sound. If I suddenly So should I, just leave, should I just leave it recording? <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a little unethical for many reasons. Yes. Hilarious that would be. Tune in for the extra content and find out more. <laughs> no, I, will, I will not do that. Um, the other thing I did this week was yes. I made a brand new website. <gasps> a brand new website? A brand new website. Oh, is that for those intertubes that I hear so much about? Yes. <laughs> it is called yes. RPGnews.com. I'm already liking the name. So long as it's about both role-playing games and news. Yeah, does what it says on the tin. Did you name this website? <laughs> I, I, I did, and I know Who it's not, it's not, it's not my WWE. typical naming convention. Yeah. But what, what happened was <laughs> yeah. um, I acquired the RPG News URL, the domain name, last week. Yoink! And it's a very, very good one. Oh, yeah, it's yes. Really good top-level domain that, name. That is a good name. It is yeah. a good one. So I thought, right, I've got to put this to use. That's right. So I got that off the previous owner who hadn't used it for a while. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so I put together this site, and basically it's um, it's a sort of aggregator site. So yes. It's very flashy-looking. It looks very much like a sort of BBC news website or something like that. Oh, slicker than that. Yeah, <laughs> much slicker. Uh, yeah. And basically, it's, it's basically links to um, news elsewhere. Okay. So I'm not writing articles on the site. Mm-hmm. I've basically got people submitting links, and then they just appear with a, you know, a thumbnail, a link, and a little explanation, and then you jump from there to, say, an mm. article over uh, Wizards of the Ghost, or an yeah. article on EN World, or an article somewhere else. Nice. It's sort of a meta-news site, if you will. Yeah. 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 Well, they're called news aggregators. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I, I, they can call them news aggregators all they like, but I know a meta site when I see one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's been what I've been doing for the last few days. Quite busy. Yeah, sounds amazing. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, is there any actual news to report this week? Actually, well, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I suppose it could count as shameless self-promotion. <laughs> For which we are given to from time to time. Uh, we've, got, we've got a secret to tell the listeners about last week. Ah. We accidentally, when we were doing the news, I normally go through um, sort of the N world and work my way through, through all the news articles. Yes. But I, go, I start at like page two and then work my way back so that yes. they're sort of in reverse chronological order. So okay. the older stuff we do first. Right, right. Generally. Yeah. But what happened was we did page two and I totally forgot to click over to page one. Ah, so we missed half the news, and I was wondering why the news section was so short last week. And it, then straight after the podcast, I realised we'd done that. <laughs> and what I had to do was um, I had to record those extra bits myself separately, and then Daryl had to take them and seamlessly edit them in, so you couldn't so and split them up, so you didn't have a long section without Peter talking. And I was just wondering if any of the listeners actually noticed. Well, listeners, were you bamboozled by Russ and Daryl's cunning schemes? <laughs> if so, let us know on the Discord. We'd love to hear from you. I imagine I imagine if you listen back to it knowing that, you'd probably spot it reasonably oh, easily. But Oh, of course, of course. Once you know how it's done, much easier to spot. Well, hopefully we'll never do that again, though. Yeah, yeah. That was very much my fault. Very, very careless of me. Yes, we're blaming Russ. Um, although Django has volunteered to be the volunteer scapegoat for today. <laughs> I <laughs> don't think... He's a dog. The volunteer scapegoat for today... <laughs> okay, I do have some news. You do have some news. D and D has a yes. brand new editor. A brand new editor. <sighs> and not only does it have a brand new editor, yes, the brand new editor, yes, used to work for Pathfinder. What? Okay, that's possibly less exciting than I made it out to be, but <laughs> still, congratulations to who? Who is it? F. Wesley Schneider. Marvelous. Um, so he started a new job as an editor for D&D. He worked at Paizo from 2003. Okay, yes. Um, originally, he was an assistant editor on Dragon Magazine. Back when, This is before Pathfinder. Oh, yes. Sir. Back when Paizo was um, doing Dragon Magazine, which was 3.5. Mm-hmm. And then he became editor-in-chief over there. Nice. And then he worked on the Pathfinder role-playing game all the way through to 2017. Mm-hmm. And he left... And now he's come back into the RPG industry and he has got a job at Wizards of the Coast as an editor. Oh, congratulations to Mr. Snyder. Hmm. Yeah. I assume it's Mr. Snyder. Uh, I don't know. Yes. Congratulations to F. Wesley Snyder. Yes. How have you may identify? Yes. Good work. Um, new D&D movie. Apparently casting is beginning. Ah. 
Although I think this is more of a fluff piece than anything else, and I'm sure it doesn't actually amount to solid information. It, it, is it telling us that there's going to be an announcement about the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. So it's from Screen Rant, and oh, yeah, um, yeah. Paramount's had the new D&D um, movie scheduled in for summer 2021, for the last 2021. year or two. Yeah, it's quite a way ahead. Goodness, yeah. Because I think there's almost nothing done yet. Yes. Um, so um, there's a new draft of the script has been turned in, apparently, Ooh, yes. uh, by someone called Michael uh, Gilio or Gilio, one of those two things. Okay. Um, the director is no longer involved and the studio is looking for a new one, which doesn't sound super hopeful. Well, yeah, these things change. And a Paramount is looking at A-listers for the male lead. Marvellous. So presumably there's a there's a male lead then. Spoilers. What? A male lead? In the Dungeons and Dragons movie? Doesn't seem who likely. Would, who could have seen this coming? Yeah. Well, at the moment it's slightly for July 23rd, 2021. That seems very precise. Well, yeah, I think they just like book in these slots and then Give try, and, try, try and make sure they've got the movie ready in time. Yep. But there's been so many rumours over the years. I mean, um, originally it was being produced by Roy Lee, who produced the Lego movie. Yes. Um, then um, they were saying that it was taking a lot of cues from Guardians of the Galaxy, sort of style-wise. Um, presumably ensemble and kicking 80s soundtrack. Yeah, and, well, maybe not that. But, <laughs> but, but you know, lo- lots and lots of actions, lots of special effects, lots of quips, I think, is the... I would be disappointed if it didn't have such things, I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah. Uh, and then there were rumours that Joe Manganiello was writing it. <gasps> and uh, he, this was ages ago, but he... Oh, um, his scripts, as good as his t-shirts. Well, he, he tweeted a picture of a script, and it was a Dragonlance, first page of a Dragonlance script. Ooh. And we know that over the years he's been meeting with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman and stuff like that. So who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows. And uh, now we've got a script from Michael Gilio. There we go. That's basically all we know. Well, there you go. It's plenty of time to play for. We've got, what, two and a half years? Uh, Steve Jackson Games. Yes. Is going to be reprinting Ron's Laws of Good Game Mastering. (gasps) Oh, how exciting. Um, This is part of their Kickstarter for Dungeon Fantasy Monsters 2. Oh, yes, that bestiary that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Obviously, this book was originally published in 2002 um, by Robin Laws Uh and its advice on running uh, tabletop RPGs. Yes. Um, And Robin Laws is one of those properly veteran um, game designers in the industry. Yes. He's just like won so many awards. He's behind so many really, really good games and and supplements and stuff. Um, The Ennies. The Ennies? Have announced that they are updating the categories this year. Ooh. Um, it says the changes include a new category to recognise best layout and design and uh-huh. the revision of several categories to provide a better clarity as to what they actually are for yes okay uh, the categories have been reduced by one to 23 okay and they're also saying there's only five weeks left for publishers to submit products for consideration in the 2019 awards just out of curiosity what's the revised and he's looking like um, well, it looks yeah, pretty much uh, the same as it was, just uh, a couple, couple of different categories. Yeah, uh, b- b- best game, best rule set, yes, best game, best rules. Yeah, best like I said, the only change is there's a new best layout and design. Yeah. Um, so what is the submission date? Uh, the submission date is May the 4th, 2019. And where on earth do people send submissions to? There's a address on the Ennies website. Ah, oh, okay. If we go to the... Uh, what's that? <laughs> Try, huh? Uh, There's a submission form. You fill it in. You get the address, all that stuff. Any-awards.com. You can go there and submit to the Ennies. And with a bit of luck, you could be in it to win it. Because if you're not in it, you can't win it. That is very true. That yes. is very true. You cannot win things you are not in. Yes. It would be very impressive if you did. We have got here Fumble Deck for Starfinder. Oh, how exciting. Mm. Um, so this is a deck of cards. Yes. And it's got, uh, don't know how many, 60-odd cards. And basically, each time you fumble, yes. which is a, a natural one, and the attack misses, yes. um, you get these um, wacky fumble effects, which take place. A natural one, and the attack misses. Yes. Oh, okay, so you, if you roll a one, and you add your, like, I don't know, what is it, to hit, base attack bonus, whatever, mm. to it, and that doesn't meet it, that's the miss. Not yeah, the auto yeah. miss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. so for a fumble, it's going to be both of those things. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so uh, each card has a critical fumble effect for a kinetic attack, an energy attack, and a spell attack, Ooh. and a fourth attack effect called an extreme effect, ah. um, which instead happens if um, the damage type, attack type, or weapon category matches that effect's description. So we've got an example. Um, if you're throwing a grenade, yes. and you roll a one on the ranged attack, yes. maybe you throw the pin instead and drop the grenade right at your own feet. That, that seems like an... Avoidable error, I'll be honest. You could almost describe it as a, as a fumble. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see what you did there, yeah. It's very good, very good. Uh, you know, or if that husk of a corpse folk rolls a natural one with its static arc pistol, it might shock itself with its own weapon, causing a random piece of its technological equipment to stop working for 1d3 rounds. <laughs> there we go. There's also, oh. there's also a critical hit deck which came out previously. Yes, yes. So uh, it's, it's, it's not all bad. Would you like to win a trip to PaizoCon? Would I? I don't know. Would you? <laughs> would, would they be playing lots of Pathfinder and Starfinder? I imagine, yes. Hmm, yes. Anyway, but uh, it's a free trip to where? Seattle. Seattle? Yes. Oh. Over the four-day Memorial um, Day weekend. I don't know when that is. It was a Memorial Day weekend. Hmm. Um, so the contest, um, yes. you win the trip, including airfare. Ooh. Or a portion thereof for some international locations. That yeah. sounds good. That sounds a little worse. A hotel room at the Double Tree, which I am hoping... That's a hotel. Is a hotel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not an actual tree. That's a four-day pass to PesoCon and Ooh. a ticket to the PesoCon banquet. The banquet's where they do all the big presentation and all the big reveals and announcements. Ah. Okay, I have Memorial Day has Monday 27th of May. Um, so to enter, you've got to listen to their show, starting with Roll for Combat episode n- episode 70, Never Give Up, Maybe Surrender, and continuing until episode 76, The Slug Defense. Right. During each episode, there's a question. For example, Ooh. how many crits occurred during this week's combat? Oh, okay. Take notes on these answers. Yes. Once you have them all, head over to the Roll for Combat contest entry form, fill out all the fields, answer one question from each episode, and you'll be all set. Goodness. Wow. That, that, that is, that's a competition truly in keeping with the Pathfinder way. Next, also Pathfinder. Yes. While we're on the subject of Pathfinder. Yes. New Starfinder Dawn of Flame Adventure Path from Pezo. Oh, nice. Um, so the Run to the Sun is the new adventure. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah. An alien starship. Yes. A psychic disturbance. Right. And a bubble city. In the sun's atmosphere await heroic players in the first volume Fire Starters. Oh, Run to the Sun is just... Yes, it's just a play on... T- yeah, it's actually called Fire Starters, not Run to the Sun. They put Run to the Sun in the headline and maybe think that was the name, but it's not... It's actually called Firestarters. Ah, that was named after some of the Prodigy's opus and Keith Flint's Fire's work. Quite Next possibly. One. Quite possibly. And why not? I'm sure they're big fans over there as well. Yeah, I imagine so. Yes. Um, what, what are your um, your general feelings on um, Valkyries? Big ladies, riding horses, funny hats, choosing slain. Do you like them? Uh, some of my best friends of Valkyries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not not really familiar with them outside of the story of uh, Das Nibelung. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Are you familiar with Brunhild? Uh, well, apart from the ring cycle by Wagner. One of Norse mythology's premier shield maidens. Yes, yes, she's, yes. A, she's a love interest, as it were. So if you would like stats for Brunhild, if you head on over to EN World, Mike Myler's latest Ooh. mythological figure is up. Yes. Brunhild is a, a challenge 12. Yes. A medium, celestial, chaotic, neutral. Seems fair. Yeah. No no one came out of that story looking good, I'll be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Sweet. Uh, Good work, Mike. You know those warriors and weapons and monsters and creatures introduction to D&D books we mentioned? Oh, is this one where I got catapulted into a jungle and eaten by a triathlon? This is a different thing. No, these are a different thing. These are just sort of like... Introduction to D and D, sort of like oh, my first D and D sort of thing. Yeah, so like this is this is a trebuchet. Yeah, so this, this is a catapult. Sort of, yeah. So there's warriors and weapons. There's monsters yeah. and creatures, and there's a magic one, and there was another one which I can't remember offhand. D is for dragon. D is also for Drake. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's not the A to A to Z. Of... <laughs> those those do exist as well. 
Oh, good, good. <laughs> My lower lip was starting to tremble. I'll be honest. Those do exist as well. But these um, these, these ones are coming out um, coming out soon. But there's some art previews and some of the art to be found within. Ooh. Ooh. Quite pretty art, look. Oh, no, it's oh, going back a bit. That one looks amazing. Which one? Uh, keep, keep going, keep going. So what is going on there? Um, I think they're hiding around the corner. They, they, they oh, no, they're holding a door shut and something's trying to get through the door. Uh, oh, I see a big scaly arm. And yeah. what's that? Is, that um, is that some sort of bandage wrapped taloned arm? Yeah, they're not having a super good day, I'll be honest. There's two, two scaly arms and they're very different to each other. Oh, yes, yes. Now, is it all from the same creature, or is there a gang of creatures? Who knows? They, they failed to bring the power thing with them, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only there was some way to find out. Yes. Uh, Josh Dredd's in shops. <sighs> really? Where? I have been getting photographs from people. They've oh. shown me it in Manchester, in Berkeley or Berkeley, California. Ooh. So around the world. Well, you know where it isn't, though. Judge Dredd in the world of 2000 AD. Where is Judge Dredd in the world of 2000 AD not found? Forbidden Planet, Southampton. Clearly an inferior shop. Mm. Come on, Forbidden Planet, get on it. it. It doesn't seem that hard. I mean, if you ask nicely, Russ will probably just run a couple of copies down in his car. <laughs> yeah. So, if you are near a Forbidden Planet... And pop especially in. if you pop in, make sure to ask about Judge Dredd. If enough people ask them about Judge Dredd, hopefully they'll think, oh, maybe we're missing out on this title we should have. And maybe we could sacrifice one inch of the 45 acres of space we've given to D&D <laughs> for a single Judge Dredd book. That would be lovely. No, no, don't, 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 don't. But then they might have to detract from the solid foot and a half that they've been to call a Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, I don't know, I, I, I tweeted them asking when they'd be getting it in. Yes. And if just people were just to generally ask, hopefully they'll sort of become aware that it exists. Yeah, yes. Right, I think that is it for the news. <sighs> does that mean, does that mean it's time? Time for our favourite game in all the world. Is it, is it, is it? Yes, it is. Huzzah! Let's do it. Woo! It's the game where I read out the names of Kickstarters and you try and guess what they are. Yes. Just the name. So, Snowhaven. Ooh. What is Snowhaven? I don't know, but it's an awesome name. Hmm. I'm going to tell you, it's going to introduce a new word to your vocabulary, which you are either going to love or hate. A new word? Hmm. I see. Would this be a word that they have created especially? For you, yes. Marvellous, 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 marvellous. Snowhaven is a setting based around some sort of Arctic, potentially mountainous region. Um, Oh, you know what would be awesome if it's sort of like set in a sort of fantasy version of Alaska where uh, you're dodging polar bears and wendigos and um, like, you know, I don't know if everyone's going to be a... Inuit, but... um you mean by dodging polar bears? Like someone's throwing them at you? Oh, yes, of course. They're quite large. Someone's firing polar bears at you. you just, like, they, they, they float this into a tributary or something and launch it straight at me. Cool, that'd be a bad day out. <laughs> that, that would be a terrible day out. Or the best one ever. Um, yeah, um, yeah uh, so I'm hoping some sort of setting where it's all uh, blast stuff. And um, Snowhaven... I'm hoping for, hoping it's a third party setting for Fifth Dead D&D. How am I doing? Damn it, coffee. Yes. Is this suspenseful? No, not in any way. It's terrible, terrible podcasting, but it's not suspenseful. I wonder <laughs> if I could play the countdown music. So, I'm going to start by introducing this new word to you, which you're either going to love or hate. Mm-hmm. Snowpunk. Ooh. I'm listening. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. My natural instinct is to love it with all my squirrely heart. <laughs> so, it's, uh, what does so, snowpunk involve, Mr. Morrissey? Um, well, pretty much exactly what you just said. <laughs> uh, so, it is a fantasy setting for D and D Fifth Edition. Yes. Perched on the edge of a snowbound wasteland, uh, cut off from the outside world by icy seas for half the year, and snowed in all year round. Um, brilliant feats of engineering keep the city warm and habitable, even during the depths of the worst winters. And if you're a listener in Alaska, please uh, get in touch with us and let us know if you think that's an accurate and fair description of where you live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So um, you you got that spot on. I 
grudgingly have to give you eight out of ten for that. Why only eight? Because I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. There I was. Oh, oh, no, I see on the spreadsheet now. Yes, there is a little box saying, if we're in bad mood, oh, yeah, that seems legit. It's all written down in advance. <laughs> Snowpunk. Yeah, I could get behind that. All right, then, this one. Are you ready? Yes. I'm listening. What is... Yes? The Veil Inheritance. Ooh. Well, traditionally, when you're talking about veils, you're referring to um, some sort of reference to the supernatural there. Um, we could... Or a thing you wear at a wedding. Um, the veil inheritance. Um, so I'm going to exclude the wedding hypothesis because um, it's coming from you and it's therefore a clear red herring. <laughs> yeah, because I really thought I was going to fool you there. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny those rumours at this time. Uh-huh. The veil inheritance. Mm. Oh, let's go super obvious. It's where you get something. Maybe it is even actually a veil. But what this uh, mystic veil does is it lets you see into uh, the otherworldly uh, domains that are constantly surrounding us, separated by us from a uh, wafer-thin slice of reality and um, has part of the people who have been uh, touched by the inheritance. You know what I think? Actually, I think it's like a... This sounds like an adventure, I'm hoping for Call of Cthulhu because I would totally play that. Call of Cthulhu, you've got some sort of inheritance and it things go completely supernaturally sideways uh, for glorious fun. Excellent. You've scored a wonderful minus eight points. Yes. What did you score for the previous one? Uh, eight points. That gives you a total of? Um, well, it's not a number you can divide by. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what happens if you try to. The spreadsheet gives you an error. The world ends. For us, safe systems of work dictate <laughs> that you should minimise the amount of world-ending events that you can accidentally cause with your spreadsheet. I can't help but feel that having two world-ending events is two more than is required for a truly, properly risk assessment. Listen, it has been through health and safety. The health and safety department has approved it. I'm in the clear. You can't argue. Why, why is Django wearing a bib marked health and safety? <laughs> <laughs> if he licks it, that is not the same thing as passing it. <laughs> anyway. Yes. The Veil Inheritance. Yes. Is a biopunk tabletop role-playing game. Ah, I see. We've entered a new phase where if you rack punk on the end of something, then that becomes your instant new yeah, selling point. Yeah, we do point. seem to have a punky theme so far. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got bio-engineered bounty hunters taking on, on challenges in newly colonised space. Awesome. Not quite seen in relation to the name. I would so, be confused, but not disappointed. So there's a, there's a role-playing game called The Veil RPG, which is a cyberpunk RPG powered by the Apocalypse Engine. Ah. And this... Yes. So, yes, yeah, so The Veil RPG is basically a powered by the Apocalypse, Apocalypse, Apocalypse game. You can just call it PBTA. Uh, and The Veil Inheritance is a supplement for The Veil RPG. Interesting. Um, so in the veil, humanity has the technology to perceive both the digital and the physical in a blended, hybridised reality. So it might say an augmented reality of some description. I guess, yes. Yeah, where, yes, yes. That's neurochips that are planted into almost every person. Ah, neurochips. Neurochips. They have neurofish as well. <laughs> I, do uh, love, I do love a nice plate of neurochips. <laughs> mm, neurochips and fish. Okay, yeah. the next one. Yes? Because you're currently at zero. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Manifest, the RPG. Could you say that first word again? Manifest. Uh, Manifest, the RPG. I am going to go with it's an RPG all about playing out Manifest Destiny, um, which could potentially be uh, the story about how you're resisting the invasion of North America by colonial settlers who are coming to like give you diseases and ruin all your ruin all your stuff uh, that is definitely a thing it could be yeah um or it could be a thinly disguised version of this where you are playing Zed settlers and you're um, invading some sort of alien world either through the joys of portal fantasy or by the a sort of um sci-fi MacGuffin style thing and you um are role-playing this out and you get to find out that you are the bad guys. I'm hoping it's one of those two things. You've got to pick one. Do I? Do I really? Yes. 
Boos. I am going to go for the second one because people might buy that. The sci-fi version. The sci-fi compensatory, yes. Hmm. So, an exciting and immersive sci-fi western tabletop role-playing game. Yes. You pretty much got it. So there's a planet that is called Manifest yes. for its abundance mm-hmm. and sudden appearance. Mm-hmm. It manifested. Um, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess yeah. it must have done. Um, yeah, so there's this wormhole that yes. um, goes somewhere else, like, like wormholes do. And at the other end of it, there's one hospitable planet. Sci-fi McGuffin, check. And on that planet, yes. there's a miraculous compound <gasps> called Luminescence. It is which is light. made of hard light. Hard light. Mm. Infinitely renewable with an energy yield that defied all expectation. Um, so yes, you are travellers, drifters and colonists mm-hmm. in a sci-fi western game. I yep. think, yeah, I think a 7 out of 10 for that. It does sound like you're actually mysteriously the bad guys. Um, it doesn't say you're the bad guys, but it does say that as drifters you'll take part in shootouts, investigations, heists, mysteries and more. I see. So it's like a, a dreadfully unaware, unself-aware manifest game of Manifest Destiny. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's certainly a thing you can do. Uh, what are they running it in? That is uh, the Fistful of D20s. I'm not familiar with that system, but um, I guess it uses multiple D20s from the sound of it. Well, fair enough. Right then, I think that is it for our favourite game in all the world. Huzzah! I'm excited to announce that later this year, we will be revealing our new D&D storyline. Ah, cool. When will we be announcing that? We will be previewing that announcement in due course. Previewing the announcement? Oh, can't wait. When do we get to see this preview? That will be revealed in a trailer very soon. Okay, right. Uh, I do like a good trailer. When's that due out? You'll find out soon enough. When we launch our teaser for the trailer. Yikes, I'm getting a bit overwhelmed here. Okay, okay, uh, well, I guess I'll have to wait for the teaser. That soon, right? Of course. Just wait for our press release, which will tell you exactly when you can see the teaser. I feel like I'm following breadcrumbs in a deep and dark forest. Is there no end in sight? Don't worry, D&D fan. We know how much you love being teased about new D&D stuff. That's why we have a podcast coming imminently, which will preview that press release. Hmm. I must say, I've never seen a press release previewed before. I guess it's worth listening just for the novelty. A podcast, you say? When's that on? That would be telling. Well, yes, that's kind of the idea. Very well. I can tell you this. We'll be announcing the time and date of the podcast in a live stream this week. Uh, Okay. I think my brain is about to melt. Okay, okay. I'll bite. When is this live stream on? It's on at 3.30am on Saturday morning. The perfect time to reveal important information. Be sure to wait up for it. So, let me get this straight. There's a live stream which announces the date of a podcast, which previews a press release, which reveals the date of the teaser for the trailer, which will let us know when we will get a preview of the announcement of the date of the reveal of the new D&D storyline. That's it exactly. Do you think we've made it too easy? Um, so, I think now it's time. Yes? To answer our patrons' questions. Ah, it's time for the PAQ. The what? The patrons ask questions. Oh, right, okay. Or, to give it its proper name, the Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, patrons ask questions section. That's slightly better, but it's still not long enough. Okay, well, we'll keep adding words onto it until it no longer until it goes on two two lines. Uh, well, we've got questions this week from Lee Donovan and from Shane Stack. So, which one uh, would you like first? Oh, well, Lee is alphabetically first, so let's do that. Let's do Lee. Okay then. Yes. Uh, Lee uh, wants to know. Yes. Peter, he wants to know. Yes. This is what he wants to know. Yes. Doing that suspense thing again. It's still not working. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> he wants to know what is yes. the most outrageous player plan you have seen that has actually worked out in game. Oh, um, well, there was this one time um, playing Skim and Villainy where we were blagging our way into an Imperial base. It was going super well right up until the point when it wasn't 
and we found ourselves face to face with uh, Grand Admiral Moff Tarkin, who, mm. who had questions for us, mm. pointed questions involving interrogation droids. Mm. At which point, I felt I had no choice but to pull out a thermal detonator mm. and say, look, I'm holding a thermal detonator, but I'm not going to blow us all up. Why don't you give us a job? And you said, what's the most outrageous plan that you found worked? So you got a job. <laughs> I didn't expect it to work, <laughs> but I got lucky. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. My, um, my players aren't really the planning types. I mean, obviously, <laughs> on the last Thursday, so they were trying yeah. to work out how to infiltrate this funeral and replace the necklace around this dead lady's neck. Oh, yes, yeah. And yeah. so they're standing on top of the theatre opposite, which I conveniently had there full of yeah. um, costumes and other ways in which they could make themselves, you know, look like things that perhaps they weren't ideal for infiltration, one might think. Some sort of disguises, you um, say. They did not avail themselves of these. Oh, um, no, no. That, that in, instead, talk. they spent the first half of the session, at least half an hour later into the yeah. session, they were still standing on top of the theatre, still having made no progress whatsoever. Scratching their whatevers. <laughs> I don't know, one of them had seven cigarettes and made two phone calls, but um, other than that... Was that the player or the character? <laughs> um, it's always worth checking these but, things. But, oh, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Not outrageous plans that you've seen. I'm trying to think of outrageous plans that have worked. And I just How, What about outrageous plans that just failed completely? I'm just trying to think of plans full stop. They're not the playing greed, is what you're saying. Oh, Do any of them listen to this podcast? They must have done. I think, I think maybe one of them does. Ooh, well, down, chat, charges down, put an outrageous plant, and then the yeah. puppy dog eyes when well, he, he, he tells he, it doesn't he's, work. He's the best one, though, so that's fine. Oh, okay. There's no favouritism here. There totally um, is. He likes you best. Um, what was I... I can't, I can't, honestly, I can't, I can't answer the question. I cannot think of even a plan, let alone an outrageous one, let alone an outrageous one which worked. And someone must have, in a game, someone must have made a plan at some point. It sounds like you need best plans for your games. Or a better memory. Yes, yes, there is that. Yeah. Well, these tell, tell me an anecdote from the depths of your past questions. <laughs> really confound me. I, I can't remember last week. Oh. Like 12 years ago. Oh, okay. Well, there, there we go. Um, so I did my best. I'm really sorry, Lee. I, I tried. Well, oh. he, um, since, I, since, since I couldn't answer that question, we'll yes. move on to his other question. Oh, so yes, yes. I, I do apologise uh, deeply, Lee, for he being has such two. a failure in answering that question, but I can answer this one. He has two questions. Yeah. Outrageous. So he wants to know, what's the first game you played at... This is two questions. Uh, what was the first game you played and the first you GM'd? Oh, tricky one. Sneaky. Sneaky yeah. two. Well, I can tell you that the first game I played was a Warhammer Fantasy Battle boxed set. <laughs> uh, and the first one I GM'd would have been the same game. Okay. So a homebrew of your own creation using the Warhammer uh, Battle Rules. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we just assumed you'd have started off with D&D. &D uh, the D&D &D &D would have been the second, and it would have been yes. the basic set, which we played for, I don't know, I honestly can't remember, because I would have been 12 or something at the time. What's oh. the first game you played and the first you GM'd? Um, well, probably the first proper role-playing game would have been the adaptation of Fighting Fantasy. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's like, um, it's not Out of the Pit. Uh, I think it might have been Titan or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was all about you are the director and they use very much a film model, which uh, I sort of forgot about and then have returned to. I'm like, okay, that's actually a really good way to do it. Not so much that you're the director, more that you're the film editor. It's your job as a GM to do lots of uh, jump and slam cuts. Um, and I actually got to play that one because my little brother ran it for me. Hmm. In an unlikely turn of events. Blimey. Yeah. Um, first game I GM'd would be an ill-fated 3.0 game, I believe. Uh, but, but it was certainly under the open gaming license because I was at university. So that was circa 2000. And like it was just had all the rules online. So I was going through that, and I put a lot of effort into making an exciting archipelago-based campaign. Hmm. So there could be lots of um, sailing ships going back and forwards. Hmm. Uh, it's where one of my favourite moments as a GM occurred, which was where the players were absolutely bricking themselves hmm. because they couldn't see what was going on. They got, they did like a little from the undergrowth around them, they get the occasional flash of purple, and any situation where a horde of velociraptors pouring out to try and eat your face is a welcome break of tension 
it is, I think, quite a quite a quite an ex- exciting experiment where I'm just basically rediscovering for myself the sort of thing that Steven Spielberg and um, oh, what's his name, John Carpenter uh, discovered ages ago, which is like if you don't show them what it is, it's even more scary. Hmm. Um, and actually, I had a massive break from GMing after that because in that same campaign, uh, somebody told me that I was the worst GM ever. I should never GM again. Which nice. Was, I know. And then several years later, I actually ran into someone who was also a player in that game and it came up in conversation because that was like probably close to the last time I seen them. And they're like, oh no, your game was really good. It's just that guy was um, a bit of a thing. Hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, amazing how these things happen. Yeah. Be kind to your GMs, kids, otherwise they will stop running. True story. Well, my good friend Shane Stacks has a couple of questions. Uh, questions from Shane. He wants to know, yes. what is your favourite gaming moment slash memory? Ooh, there are so many to choose from. My fa- favourite gaming moment from uh, the last weekend was the bit where it became apparent to me that one of my friends who was carrying around a large barrel of gunpowder... Um, well, it basically became Chekhov's barrel of gunpowder. Mm. It was revealed in the first act, and therefore it had to explode in the third. Um, so I was delighted to be able to introduce it to a length of fuse, which might have exploded at any time, but it was uh, very dramatically appropriate to escape from the castle whilst it exploded from a barrel of gunpowder, and we were making our way out from the underground cavern via Pinnacle to uh, a waiting fishing ship to escape the prisoners away. Mm. That's very cool. Mm. I think mine might be a 24-hour Dragonlance session where we went through as many of the modules as we possibly could. I think we got to like number seven or number eight in that 24 hours. Nice. Because we were kind of speed running it a bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we were over at my friend's house and we must have been... 15 or so, 16. I'm not sure how old we were. Anyway, so there was four of us and, and the GM... Mm. And uh, yeah, stayed up all night, 24 hours solid. Sweet. Going to, and also we had, I seem to recall for some reason, we were using the Rambo First Blood soundtrack as the background music. And somehow it was magically fitting in with every single situation that arose. Marvellous. Like every time a combat started, somehow the sort of dramatic music would suddenly kick <laughs> up. And it was like, how's that happening? Uh, roll it, man. <laughs> <laughs> the hallucinations tell me so. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think well, oh, if, we, if we were including 24-hour games, then um, I had an. I think my one and only one has been absolutely amazing. It was um, actually in Southampton. 24-hour games. We um, were playing through the Curse of Strahd, and that was mm. actually the first time I got to play Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, Did you I, finish it in that 24 hours? Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, it it was well, it was getting close to. I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, but yes, yes, we managed to uh, do it. There was a certain, there was there was a lot of having to try and keep focus as part of time. We were very, very tired. Mm. Uh, so Shane, there's one last question. Oh yes, yes. What is your ideal con? By which I mean, I assume he means convention. I am choosing not confidence trick. <laughs> bah, bah, I say. I think we should answer both questions. <laughs> I shall, well, you choose one to answer. I shall answer the other. So, what's your ideal con? Um. I am quite... I've been to quite a few sort of four-day cons, like mm-hmm. uh, Gen Con and stuff like that, and I really, really enjoy those. Oh, you should go to Contingency. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I should go to lots of conventions. You should. But um, I think I quite like the one-dayers. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Dragon Meat is one of my favourites, because it's not oh. so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. In, in nice. a way that something like Gen Con can be. Yeah. UK Games Expo, I do enjoy, but... It's it's quite big. It, it is quite big, yeah. You, you there's like different sizes of cons as we discussed with uh, John Dodd. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't, don't don't like them too small. I don't like a con that's just held just like in a gym somewhere and uh-huh. you know it's got two traders and, um, oh, and traders. three people playing games and you know as long as you can play games that's the main thing. Do you, I mean, our guest speakers. Well, I, I don't I I don't usually play many games at cons. Oh, okay. 
Um, I, 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 I kind of like the sort of industry side of the cons a little more. Mm, so okay. I like wandering around the exhibitor stands and mm. looking at the products and mm. maybe picking up a few bits and pieces and having nice long conversations with um, longer conversations than they want to because they want to get on to the next customer nah. but, <laughs> with various uh, people selling yeah. products and stuff like that. The, the old giant book of battle maps and yeah. so forth. And yeah. also I very much like the social side of it. But Absolutely. One thing I don't tend to do myself is I don't, I don't tend to like setting aside four hours of a day con for a game because I kind of feel like that's too much time out of the out of the con. Mm-mm. I think we have differing attitudes to this because for the convention that I went to this weekend, I put aside twelve hours to yeah, play games. Yeah. Uh, oh, four hours was running. But yeah, StabCon so. is very. You, you were there to play the games, though, weren't you? You so, are there to yeah, play games. Yeah. If, you, if you're not there to play games, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, there's different types of cons, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I have played games at cons, but I prefer sort of. I like what I do quite like to do is play like a one-hour demo or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I quite enjoy that. So oh, when yeah. I was um, at UK Games Expo last year, I played a one-hour demo of Pathfinder Two, for example. Ooh. And I wanted to play a one-hour demo of Star Trek Adventures. Uh, I think it was Dragon Meat, but mm-hmm. they're all full up, so I didn't yeah, manage yeah. to because I haven't played that game yet. But um, yeah, I, I like that because it it means I can move on and do something else afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and there's, so, and there's usually so much I want to do at cons. The thing is, if you've got a one-day con, yes. you play a four-hour game, that's half the day gone. No, and there's, there's probably 30 things I want to do at that con, and the game oh, okay. is one of those things. Ah. That's, that's the thing. So yeah. I, I find uh, I prefer to do my gaming at home when I've got the time. Well, what about... Uh, I suppose that is the nature of RPG cons, that you would expect to have games to play? Well, it depends on what you go to them for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, yes. there's the cons. You, there's, people go to cons for all different reasons, and that's why there's a load of different things you can do at a con. Yes, well, but so your ideal con would be really more, I guess, like similar to the UK Games Expo, but maybe a bit smaller? Yeah, I guess yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe less of these people wandering around. More of a, more of a trade federation thing. You trade be, federation? Yeah. <laughs> it's a federation of trade. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like um, having speakers that I can listen to, your panel or so. Uh, but I really do enjoy playing games as well, so mm. it's a bit tricky. Like, See, I don't often go to panels at them either. Ah, Very rarely. Uh, usually because, you know, I think I'd have to be really, really, really interested in the subject to go mm-hmm. to a panel. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, well, you'd, ho- you'd hope that the people doing pan- the sort of people doing panels would be the sort of people who would be uh, knowing lots of stuff. Well, I've, I've had mixed experiences with panels, and Ooh. there are some that aren't great bit middling yeah I mean just because you're good at game design doesn't mean you're a good public speaker for example <laughs> you know what I mean and you know, some, know. Some, some people are amazing some are great yeah. but it, it, is, it can be a bit potluck yeah we wouldn't know anything about that on this podcast well no, yeah I'd, 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 I'd be utterly awful on a panel I'd be terrible oh I don't know I think you've got a bit of experience just like try, try not to imagine the audience naked that's always my advice can you imagine, like, standing in front of a room full of naked people think, staring at you? I don't think I'll be particularly, that would be really I don't think I'll be particularly scared of it. It's just okay. I just don't think I'll be great. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be. Yeah, I'm not, I don't really have super stage right or anything. But okay. I just don't. I don't know. Maybe I'd be good at it. Who knows? I'd, Absolutely. I can't think of what I could. Maybe I'd do a panel one day. What could I do a panel on? Game design, perhaps? Having designed several? Yeah. yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. So we've answered. We've well, we've attempted to answer questions. We've basically waffled for about half an hour about nothing. <laughs> well, it, it, the, the, the question asked, we're not entirely sure. Um, uh, for my favourite con, I think uh, a variation of the Badger game would be best. Although how exactly one would pull that off in a game of D and D, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, maybe I'd go for a different system. Yeah, a bit of Call of Cthulhu. That'll get it done. Anyway, I hope that answers your question, Shane. Anyway, so if you want to ask us questions, you need to be a Patreon. So head on over to the Patreon, which is at patreon.com forward slash Morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. Yep. And uh, as a Patreon, each week we'll ask you to ask us questions. You can leave your questions there on the Patreon and we will answer them during the podcast the following week. Ooh. So, what are the biggest RPG crimes? So, I asked over on EN World. Yes. And we got quite a lot of replies. Um, so, I thought we could just sort of like wander through these and just pick out some of the interesting ones. So, what are the worst things that you can do at an RPG game, either on the player or the GM side? Oh, I. What are would... the terrible crimes committed by 
Oh, things that GMs do that annoy me. It's um, for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, uh, I'd say it's stuff like having uh, the roll of a 1 be a critical failure and having a dreadful side effect like you throw your sword somewhere or you shoot someone in the back because it's it's just so unbalancing. Um, I, I Having looked at the game, you can make characters, especially bards, and never make an attack roll, therefore mm. making you immune from the quote, hilarity, unquote, of such things. Whereas you get to, like, a fighter with, say, four attacks, and they have a 19% chance of chucking their sword or similar hilarity <laughs> when they get, like, three attacks, yeah. four attacks. It's, it's, it's just a bit rubbish for us, mm. I'll be honest. Uh, so we've got some here um, on, on the thread, and I'm just going to sort of read out some of the ones that they've got. Mm-hmm. So um, what do we have here? So the obvious one, and I think probably the one that's at the top of many people's list, is uh, players cheating. Oh, there's no point to that, is there? It you does, cheat yourself? It does seem... I mean, I, I kind of have two minds of it, because I used to get really, really annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. These days, it still annoys me, but yep. I just kind of think, you know, if that's... If that's honestly how you enjoy playing a game, I just can't. I can't be bothered to fight with you about it. You know what I mean? It's um, unless you're actively ruining it for everybody else. It it just make makes it less fun for yourself. Makes it less. It does. It does. Yeah. It is worse stories. I just don't understand the point. Just because I find games more fun Mm. when there is risk. Oh, absolutely. And if there's no risk, then. Then rewards matter less. I think that is something that GMs find quite hard to understand from what I can read online. Mm-hmm. Like they're always worried about, oh well, you know, will, will the players enjoy it? And the thing is, not no one's really that invested in TV series or films where the protagonists start off happy, stay happy, and live happily ever yeah, after. Yeah, that's quite boring. What we're really interested in is people who are absolutely doing their best and having a terrible old time of it. But succeeding against yes. the odds. Oh yeah. Yes. Or, or even 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 when they fail. It's like, it's like Rocky. Yeah. Rocky wouldn't be any good if he didn't have to. You know. If he didn't have fight to fight against the odds. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have to try, then there's, where's the point in that? Honestly. Yeah. But on the on the cheating, I think there's two types of cheating. Mm-hmm. There's the obvious fudging dice rolls cheating. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, just that's like, the oh, obvious one. Really? The other one is just cheating in the sense that your character stats are not what they really really should be oh yeah yeah like oh well well i mean like don't get me started on like uh point by versus rolling dice because that is that is not you you you've got people to see in less than an hour Russ. <laughs> we really should uh, talk about other things but now i'm a big believer in point by because just from a game game from the game master side of thing your job largely is measured as a success if you're able to make everyone happy mm. and if they're not all happy, that is a big thing. Um, something I've seen that many people are unhappy about is GMs fudging the dice roll as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why you would do that. I can see why you would do that. Um, if you're... I, 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 I mean, if, you, if you're a GM and you've made a mistake, yes. I think fudging the dice roll as a, man, a method of correcting that mistake is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It, it, if you if you set up an account and then suddenly realised, oh my God, this is going to be a TPK, I did not mean it to be this tough. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you've got a choice. You either go with it, roll the dice out in the open, go with it exactly as written and kill everybody. Yes. Or you have to fudge somewhere. It, it, it is tricky. Like I say, I, I tend to roll my dice out in the open. So people can uh, see what is being rolled mm. just because then they don't have to worry about it. Because speaking on the player side of things, there's been times when every single save I've asked someone to make, they've passed. Yeah. Like as a player, every time, mm. every time it's my turn, they've passed every single one. Yeah. And that's entirely reasonable. That's entirely possible. But it doesn't feel nice, you know? Mm. It makes you it makes you think they're fudging. Yeah, yeah. So as you can see the dice, you're like, well, yeah, okay. They did just roll four natural 20s. We are... We are getting our rears handed to us in no uncertain terms. Well, again, that does sometimes happen. I mean, yeah, yeah. sometimes you do get four natural 20s in a row. Well, well, precisely. And it's like, but it's, um, it. I, I like it because it shows the players that it's not you being overly lenient or overly easy. Mm. It is the random number generation. The dice fall where they may. and I must enforce them, but I'll still be cheering them on and yeah. uh, being on their side, which is nice. It's a better way, I think. So we've got some more RPG crimes here. Someone called Blue on yes. Ian Wood. Um, yes. He's got a few. So yes. from the DM side, he says, getting annoyed when the characters ruin your plot by not following what you envisioned. <laughs> if you want to make the players laugh, show them your plans. Mm. Yeah. Um, telling a player how to roleplay their character. 
Ooh, like hints and tips is all right, but I mean, everyone's learning to role play all the time. Mm. Um, I'm in a game often on Mondays, mm. and there are two very new, very young role players playing it, and they're absolutely amazing. Their accents that they're adopting for their characters are not necessarily the strongest, but rather than give them a hard time about it, I'm like, oh, well, go on. You know what? They're actually trying. They're mm. doing their best to role play, bringing accents to the table. Mm. Let them. Encourage them, in fact. That's what, that's the way forwards. So from the player's side, we've got hogging the spotlight from other players. Mm, yeah, I can see I can see that being annoying. Um, you do sometimes uh, get a player that really, especially, do you know what I have noticed over the years? You'd often uh, get a type of player, and I've seen them turn up a few times, that always uh, play a sort of roguey, thiefy, shadowy type character uh, and always be disappearing off on their own and trying to sort of have 45 minutes of gaming on their own while everyone else watches. But the, the, the problem about that is you just have to take the gloves off and say, oh, are you sure you want to go off on your own? Mm. This is dark. And there's a groove in there. <laughs> yeah. And often people will get this hint. I've certainly not had a problem with it, but I guess that's because I'm like, well, yeah, if you do, then I'm rolling in front of the table. You mm. will see what happens. And they're like, oh, oh just go a little bit ahead. <laughs> so I've got another one from Blue here, which is not putting in the effort to have a basic familiarity with your character and commonly used rules, such that you often slow down play. I'll do mind that. Yeah. People are busy and, you know, there's nothing wrong with not being an ex- a system expert. Yeah, no. I, I think if you're asking right. the exact same question every single week, again and again and again, it yeah. can start to, you know, drag a bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are, there are various things you can do with it. It's like... Uh, it depends on how complex the game you're playing. Sure. If yeah. you have to ask that in Powered by the Apocalypse, then questions yeah. have to be asked. But if, if you've been playing with someone for a year and they're still asking how to make an attack roll. So I take a D20. Which one's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's the same one, Trevor, as it was every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about disruptive play under the guise of character choices? It's what my character would do. Oh. well, that, that, that's Thieves a- stealing from the party, for example, being one... Oh, classic example of that one. Well, if it's in, if it's what the character would do for the rogue to steal from the party, then is it not in character for the paladin to turn around and say no? Exactly, Smite. but then you just end, then you just end up with a ruined session and players with bad feelings. Exactly, uh, and, and to be fair, it's like, is it really what your character would do? Um, I, I find it very. I think I think part of it is you really need is there's a lot of stuff that's come from like old times, mm. like old styles of play before people have really put like what's it over 30 nearly 40 years of thought yeah. into house run games so um the kender problem mm. which is basically that example written very very large and in capital letters mm. is yes your character i suppose would steal from it but, sure. but you i think in, when you were playing Dragonlance, you said you your kender player what was it they um they agreed with everyone else that they would just have random trinkets mm but they wouldn't steal from the actual player characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so um, this one is also from Daryl. Um, um, <laughs> you know, he goes, we, we're all adults. We know life gets in the way. Stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And um, you had to work late, bibs to the council. Someone got sick, car trouble, all that sort of stuff. That's fine. Yes. Um, it's totally fine when people can't make it. Yes. That happens. Yes. I am really fine with that. Yeah. What I really hate is when they just don't turn up. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Especially so if people have turned up and there aren't enough people there for the game Ooh. because someone hasn't turned up and people have wasted a trip, they've wasted an evening because they could have done something else. Yeah. I think it's really disrespectful of other people's time. Unless it's an actual emergency. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's just one of those things. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I need to because of X and Y. And that's fine. Just let people know. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, um, uh, and spe- if it's the same emergency cropping up every week, though, it's like, well, you know... Uh, but then there's always a question of like not everyone's always going to be massively into RPGs mm. hard to believe I know but if they're not make sure that you're spending time with them because mm. like they want to see it but talking to people like an adult is a strong choice in many cases mm. um, let's have a look what else have we got here we've covered a oh. lot of the main ones yep um, um, create, create a character that has a reason to go on an adventure if your character's main thing is they're super into turnip farming that's awesome yeah. Good job. My, my one, That's one a brilliant of mine is, NPC. One of mine is someone sitting there playing a game on ah. a mobile device or a laptop Ooh. during your game. Yeah. Bloody hate that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I think, I think it's just rude and dis- disrespectful. Super rude. Yeah. If you don't want to play, then don't. But yeah, I mean, like to a certain extent, there is 
Like, it is much harder to be a GM nowadays than maybe it was in the old times, mm. because in the old times, he says, like, <laughs> he knows what they're talking about. But yeah, like, um, before the existence well, of I find, it, I find it really hard to run a game when I don't, f- just mentally in my head. Yeah. I find it really hard to run a game, because when I'm running a game, yes. like, you know, you kind of have to sort of be a little bit in sort of the zone sort of thing. Yes. But you can't be in the zone if you don't think you've got everyone's attention. It just doesn't oh, work. Yes. Yes. And if you're not in the zone, it's probably going to be a crap game. Mm-hmm. And I always think that a game, and uh, I think um, Matthew Mercer said this a while mm-hmm. back as well, but a good game isn't the responsibility of the GM. It's the responsibility of everyone at the table. Oh, And absolutely. any one person can be responsible for why a game is bad. It's yes. not necessarily the GM's fault. Well, and if someone's walking out every two minutes to have a cigarette or someone's on their phone, um, you know, it can make it quite hard for the GM to actually get enthusiastic and invest in the, yes. in the actual thing going on as well it, it's sort of everyone's got to lean in to your game yeah and that's when RPGs really shine it's a two way thing oh absolutely yeah. 100% yeah. GM's punishing players for not turning up um again it's like sort of situational but if it's like we well, didn't show up one week so we killed your character that's that's harsh yeah, yeah that's, that, that's overboard but so it, it's vague but it's like if you're not showing up week after week then you know Talking to them like an adult is your first porch of call. Whereas they're mm. like, oh, yeah, no, 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 I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. And then they still continue to no-show. It's like it's someone having a family emergency mm. at one time and you kill off their character. It's like, wow, that's super uncool. Someone not showing week after week after week and uh, you decide that you're going to go for the dungeon and they're going to walk about 20 foot in front of the party to find all the traps. Mm. I'm sort of okay with that. It, it, it's so dependent, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, celebrim on Ian World says uh, it's not a, a massive crime, but one one is creating a character that has no motivation for getting along with the rest of the party. Ah, yes, it goes back to that Kinder slash Rogue problem. Yeah, uh, I don't know why they're so like you know highlighted. Um, and it's like, well, to a certain extent, that is. I think I think the problem was the first ever Kinder anyone ever saw was Tasselhoff Burfoot, who who, is... who was a comic relief character who constantly stole from other characters in the novels and that was one of the sources of levity in the in the novels oh, and, and, and then basically people just identified that being his one character trait was that's basically what it was yeah. that being the one example of a kender that is basically what a kender is a kender is someone who steals some other players and that, uh, yeah that's yeah, how it happened you, you missed out on the childlike or, or like trying to do childlike innocence just mm. failing or yeah. people don't really do that though I no, don't, I don't no. find they, they just go with the stealing yeah, yeah. yeah. like um, the license to be antisocial mm. let's um, have a look what else we got here yeah um, other things like uh, players oh, players that aren't invested DMs that aren't invested yes yeah, yeah. oh yes DM NPCs DMPCs sorry nah so the DM has got a NPC and it's really all about his NPC rather than about the players. Yeah. I mean, like my... For, for, I, I've never really understood how anyone could do that. I, I, I just get annoyed about hot NPC on NPC action. Mm. My particular... One of my favourite NPCs at the moment is... It's a small poison arrow frog or grung mm. and they're like guiding people around but they just like gaze and stunned incomprehension mm. um, whenever asked questions beyond their very, very limited mental abilities. Mm. And um, as soon as any fight shows up whatsoever, they're bounding away at 25 yeah. foot ago. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's another RPG crime. Yeah. Stopping the game in order to have a great big five minute rules debate. Oh, yeah. No, that I, yeah. is bloody annoying. Yeah. Especially when you're like interrupting someone in mid-sentence and then, right, oh. stop, we must debate this rule right now for the next 10 minutes. And or, it's- or discussing the ins and outs of the best way to power game it. Like, I mean, many people would think that that would be something I would do all the time, knowing my love of rules. Mm. But no, I'm not, I'm not, not have it. Well, I, am, I am more than happy to discuss rules, just not when I'm trying to narrate a scene. Oh, right. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, oh. it's like, well, we'll just go with what we're doing now and we'll talk about it later. Yes. Because... It is, it is better for me that the wrong rule be used or the rule be wrong than the game stop. Absolutely. If, if, it, if it's absolutely 100% important... And it very rarely is. Uh, indeed. Um, I, potentially, if someone's character is about to, like, kick the bucket, mm. then I will pass the rule book to, like, a designated rules lawyer slash monkey yeah. and say, you're a rules monkey. 
Find, find a ruling on this. That is that is what I always it. do appreciate as a GM, being able to ask the table, can someone look this up? And my group's really good for this. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, they'll all look it up really, uh, really quite quickly. And um, I really appreciate that because that allows me, means I don't have to stop and start. And there's not, yeah, that's, that's one of the other crimes, I guess, is um, when you're a GM, be, bear in mind that someone watching you read a book is not fun for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's- don't stop and start reading a book while your players are sitting there waiting for you. Uh, I mean, there are some GMs that say every time they're unsure of a ruling, they will get the rule book out and they'll look at the rule and do it to make sure that their rules are being applied absolutely consistently. So what, what I'll do is uh, I'll ask the, ask the group ask mm-hmm. the group to look it up while I carry on. Um, hopefully it's something that I can delay the ruling on for a couple of minutes mm-hmm. while doing something else. So yes. it's not that's really important and the game doesn't have to stop. No. Um, if it is super important... Mm. then maybe maybe we have a stop but still that's the quickest way to do it but generally if it's super important I'll just we'll make something up and say well you know we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards but we're not stopping the game yes um, other things that um, can ruin a game for people are people uh, competing as characters yeah, yeah. Um, like arguing over treasure and loot yes it's like yeah. I mean, it's a little bit in character, but on the whole, like, yeah. oh, especially yeah. if it goes out of character as well. Yeah, but there's the flip side to that, yeah. is, the, is, the, is, is the player who always gets the best loot, and then you suddenly realise he's got 80,000 gold worth of stuff, and everyone else has 7,000 gold worth of stuff. And uh, It depends what, it depends what it, it, the situation, like, if yeah, the but, wizard but, has a lot of money so they can, like, buy more spell scrolls and stuff... Yeah, but I'm not talking about the reasonable version of that. I'm talking oh, about the unreasonable yeah. the version unreasonable. of that. Oh, yeah, well, the greedy version of that. Anything comes up, they're like, oh, I love it. It's like, but or, I really or the other it. one would be the player who doesn't keep track of his money and always seems to have 80,000 gold to hand. <laughs> Miraculous. <laughs> so did you, didn't you buy a Holy Avenger plus five last week? Mm. <laughs> I seem to recall I might have. <laughs> what of it? Yeah. yeah. But I, think, I think we've covered we've covered that subject well enough. Uh, so um, we should probably wind up. Oh, does that mean we have to stop podcasting? It does. It's only for today. Only for today and Ooh. tomorrow and the next day and the next Yay. day and the next day and the next day. But we can podcast again Huzzah! next Monday. Huzzah! Yes. Uh, so, um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope our list of RPG crimes was at least slightly edited into something vaguely comprehensible because we did we did babble a little bit, but... So much babbling. <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so, uh, until next week, I have been Russ, um, a.k.a. Morris. You can find me on Twitter at Morris. And I've been Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. What? What? Oh, is it over? I was taking a nap because they were so boring. I think I'll probably torture Russ a bit this evening just to amuse myself. Maybe the rack. I'm sure I'd enjoy stretching him out a bit until his bones crack. Maybe it'll improve his terrible posture.